0: Hi and welcome to another episode of the walk. I'm Father Roderick, and this episode is brought to you as all my episodes by my sponsors over at Patreon.com/slash/FatherRoderick. Thank you so much for your support. I'm recording this on a Monday afternoon. It's almost evening. The sun is setting. We're going to switch to winter time over here in Europe next week. I think in the United States it's still a little bit later, so that's going to uh, require some extra care when I communicate with my friends over in the US uh, because there's just going to be a, a different time difference than I'm used to. It's been, it's been cold over the past few days and I've been s- inside for most of the day so now that I'm going out for a walk I, I can feel how chilly it is. Wow! There's a guy <laughs> passing me by on a bike and in a box. That is uh, fixed to the front of the front wheel. He's got what looks like an entire tree. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he's transporting like a a small tree on his bike. Only in the Netherlands you will see something like that. Crazy. (laughs) I mean, you, you often see parents with kids on their bikes. So they'll have a kid in... Uh, in the front, on the steering wheel, well, not really on the steering wheel, but in a little chair mounted on the steering wheel, and there 's good sometimes a, another a second kid uh, uh, on the back part like in a little seat uh, mounted on the on the uh, rear wheel but i 've never seen someone transporting a tree on a bike. <laughs> So anyway, it's a, it's a bit chilly. It is definitely fall or autumn. And you can tell by the skies as well that the light is just different. And uh, it's a bit of a change compared to, uh, to exactly a week ago when I was uh, walking around in Rome. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Looking behind me, I see two big air balloons in the sky and they're flying very low. I wonder if they if they took off close to where I live. There's a park um about 10 minutes north of where I am, 10 minutes by bike. And uh sometimes they'll lift off there. And you know, the rest of the weather is calm, so probably a very good time to go uh, for a for a trip in a balloon. Um, so last week I was in Rome. Not really because I wanted to. <laughs> I had just been in Rome. Just a few weeks ago we had the pilgrimage. And uh, I stayed a couple of days extra to film. And there was just this one item that I still had to do, for uh, which I couldn't film while I was uh, uh, in Rome with the pilgrims. And that was a special item that was uh, requested by the Catholic University in the Netherlands. We have one big um, Catholic theology, like a faculty for Catholic theology. And uh, they are growing, uh, which is very remarkable in a country where faith is on the decline. Uh, But theology is definitely growing in numbers. So they want to promote the the theology in general to a younger audience and one of the things that they use are the, the, the television media. And so uh, they asked me to go to Rome and follow the students during uh, their pilgrimage. I think this is a first in the history of the faculty. At least I cannot remember. I've studied at the same uh, institution. But that was a long time ago, and back then, this would be unthinkable that that the theology students would go on a pilgrimage, uh, let alone to Rome. This was a time that in the Netherlands as a theologian, you were supposed to be very critical of Rome and very, you know, apprehensive of uh, of popular devotion. Now, of course, I was not really part of that, but <laughs> definitely in the in the. Uh, uh, circles of um, well respected theologians, uh, you know, going on a pilgrimage would be the last thing on their list. But times are changing. Times are definitely changing. The younger generations, much more open, much more curious. And so this was a trip, a uh, kind of, uh, pilgrimage plus also um, a study trip because they went to see a lot of um, sites where. Famous theologians and saints have lived, and so there was a lot of history and uh, information that was included in their trip. The thing was, I had to go back to Rome and visit them because they started their trip, um, I think, on Friday. Um, and I only went there on Monday. The reason, of course, is that uh, I cannot afford to spend all, you know, several days in Rome uh, because every it's not just a trip that I have to pay for, but also all the rest, you know, you need to find a hotel you need to pay for your expenses so every day I would stay in Rome would, would cost me a couple of hundred euros, um, which is just not part of the budget, the budget of the of the episode is going to be more or less, going to be more or less the same and so I was trying to do this in a in a in an efficient way so I flew in on Monday morning had to, uh, leave by train, like, at 6, 6 a.m., and there is actually a surprisingly large number of people that are already going to work at 6 in the morning, um, goes to show how much I am not in touch with, uh, <laughs> with life in general, because to me, 6 o'clock in the morning is, just feels so extremely early, um, And then I took the train to Eindhoven Airport, which is in the south. That's where a lot of the uh, lower-priced airlines fly from. So I took a flight with Ryanair and landed on uh, Rome-Campino. There was a bit of a delay. And then from Rome-Campino, I had to uh, take a bus to get to the location where I would meet the students. Um, And I picked an afternoon during which they were uh, supposed to go visit several locations in the city of Rome, so I figured, you know, I'll just walk along with them, uh, do some interviews in between their visits, and just tell the story of, um, of, of that particular afternoon. And I was pretty confident that there would be enough material, and then I had planned to go back home the next morning, uh, Tuesday morning. And since this is a low-budget flight, that flight was relatively early. It was before noon, which means... That there wouldn't be any time to film in on on Tuesday morning, um, so in my mind, this was going to be it's tight, probably a lot of hard work, um, especially after a long trip, but worth it because it would just be super efficient and I would be home before before uh, well just qu- I would be home very quickly and would be able to uh to work. The, the complicating factor and that was another reason that I wanted to be home quickly was that I was asked to, um, to deliver that episode that same week so last Thursday was going to be the final edit and so that meant if I would return on Tuesday I would only have one day basically to uh, put the whole episode together across the road here and walk underneath this big medieval uh, archway this two towers here on the left and the right of the road and this is the main shopping street of the inner city with uh, a shoe store here on the left and I can smell the french fries there's a we have all sorts of stores that specialize in just french fries they won't sell you much else just a few snacks but it's mainly people just buy a big bag of french fries these are not the small fries that you know from mcdonald's with the, like the large chunky fries they are very delicious and especially now that it is approaching dinner time hmm that smell is very irresistible there's a cheese store on the left this is new uh it's a it's a big cheese store um where they sell all the different types of traditional Dutch cheeses as well as nuts. Seems to be a very common combination. Stores that only sell cheese and nuts. And then here, a little bit further, you have a Macintosh, an Apple a dealer, and I'm not sure if they already have the iPhone X. Uh, wasn't, wasn't this week supposed to be the week of the launch of the and this is this is just the uh, eight that is on display. Well, I would be surprised if they had the iPhone 10 anyway, because apparently this thing is going to be only available to a very very small amount of people, and so but they're they're still ramping up the production. Um, so the the the. the the way I was going to solve the problem of, of having very little time to put together the episode was to work in advance and so spend some time editing um, about half of the episode and then the, the piece about with the students which was going to be kind of the main story thread of that episode um, would be the only thing I would have to do when I came back however everything changed the moment I arrived because first of all the students weren't there. I was told that they would arrive at around 2 and that they would have a tour of the, uh, the monastery where St. Thomas Aquinas had lived, at least during the time that he was in Rome and where he wrote a number of his very famous writings. So I figured that would be a perfect story to tell. These theology students, they all have, have studied uh, Thomas Aquinas, and now they're going to visit the place where... You know, one of the greatest theologians of all time has lived. And in my mind, it would be a fantastic story. However, there was no one there. And I waited for about half an hour. It was warm. It was a very warm day. Um, there was this um, uh, low-pressure uh, area around Ireland. And it was even a, like a hurricane heading for Ireland. And the... Those winds were were bringing a lot of warm uh, weather from the south to the Netherlands and to uh, uh, our part of Europe. And so in Rome, it was summertime. It was really nice, but also hot. And I had been walking around with all my equipment. I'd taken two cameras this time. um, Just to be on the safe side, last time I filmed, I only took one camera, my DSLR, Um, But I didn't have much experience in filming with the DSLR. Turned out quite all right. I've still lots of room for improvement. But I thought if I'm going to walk around a lot and we're going to film in all these tricky situations and uh, I need to film a lot in a little, a very little time, I should probably take the camera with me that I'm used to. This is a new store. What is this? Backwork. Smoothies and... And sandwiches. Wow, that looks totally—that's <laughs> a store that just materialized in the in the time span of about two days or something like that. I've never seen it there. Oh, and here's one of my—it's a cooking store or a store with cooking utensils, and it's going broke. They have a sale. That's a—that's a pity. Um, anyway, the uh, here's my favorite bookstore. I, these are all. Verbal squirrels, <laughs> like constantly distracted by what I see around me, here in the center of the town. Um, the uh, uh, what was I saying? Oh, so yeah, no. So nobody showed up. Uh, I took two cameras with me. I figured with my old camera I can work faster, but it's also a lot of extra weight. So um, I was getting nervous, and then I get this phone call, and it's from the Netherlands. And immediately, I'm thinking, uh, this may be, there may be something, something wrong. So I pick up the phone. It's my, uh, how'd you say that? It's not the producer, but it is the person uh, who is responsible for the TV show that I make. Um, and he tells me that basically, there's been a problem uh, in the negotiations about this particular episode with the students, with the theology students, and a contract hadn't been signed, and so they were going to postpone the episode. And the, they were asking me if it was possible to uh, produce the episode that was planned for November, the end of November, which was another episode about Rome, to produce that for instead of the one that was cancelled or that was delayed. Which meant basically an entire episode where no work has, had been done except for the filming of the... Of, and again, it's just raw material, I knew that the, that was a lot of stuff that, that needed extensive um, editing and uh, a lot of tricks <laughs> to, to turn that into a good episode. Um, if I were, if I would be able to produce that for, you know, for this week basically. And I was stunned. Like, how can you ask me to do that in one day? That is impossible. Or, yeah, that would be basically one day. So, first thing I asked was, "Can you push the final edit to a later date? Can you push that to Monday? The show airs on Tuesday, and we've done that in the past, and then uh, well, they were going to check and then they called me back. no, it's not possible. All the editors are booked for the rest of the week and so uh, and for Monday and so you will this needs to be the final edit needs to take place on Friday so I'm explaining you know. I'm here in Rome. I'm going back tomorrow morning. I will be super tired. Uh, And I'm I'm still, there's a bit of a problem here because there are no students, nobody shows up. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I I was was trying to call people on location in, in Rome and nobody seemed to know what was going on. And so it turned out there had been a communications problem and people were not informed that I would be filming this particular group etc etc so I was like I'm in a crisis here you add a second crisis to this asking me to produce this episode in basically uh, uh, about 20% of the time that I would normally take to edit it what are you guys thinking how how can that even cross your mind that that is an option well yeah but we have no other solution can't you just switch around some of your texts and uh, take take the items that you had already edited and then just add another item to it and I was like no I can't because one of the things that I decided to do uh, when I was um, filming in, in Rome in and CZ was I don't want to just film random items and then just put them together in an episode I, I wanted to tell a story <laughs> when I produce these episodes I want, I want every episode to matter instead of just filming eye candy that's, that's not interesting to me and so I had planned and already recorded a lot of the presentations for uh, those two episodes to do one episode uh, which was planned for, for this week um, about uh, culture and, and theology Something in the, along the lines of what can this old city teach the theologians of the future, the thinkers of the future, what do they learn uh, from uh, the, from the past uh, for, uh, what, how does the Vatican inspire them for their you know uh, in, in their work etc etc that was one episode, and then the second episode, which would air in November, I plan to do an episode where the main question would be. How can you reconnect culture and faith? And how can you communicate the faith to today's culture? Which is, a, to me, a very important question. And I'd interviewed um, Paul Tai, Monsignor Paul Tai, of the Petitical Council for, the, for uh, Culture, for that. And I had uh, interviewed another priest about, um, uh, about the Mass. And <clears throat> the Mass is... Is, is communication, but it's often not well understood. And so I, I went through, him, through Mass, through the various elements of the Mass, and had him explain what it meant, etc. And then that would be the perfect uh, setting for the final, edit, final um, uh, tour uh, that I filmed with uh, a parishioner of mine who lives in Rome for most of the year. Um, and she works as a tour guide, an official tour guide in Rome and in the Vatican. and with her, I had visited a number of, of places w- which kind of symbolized this transmission of the faith to the culture to the surrounding culture and uh, that was, those were that great, was great footage, and it was a, a really interesting afternoon. Um, so all that was thematically linked. And what they were asking me now was to just forget about all the all that that uh, well, the, the the themes that you've chosen. Just put something together. Just I, we don't care as long as it's Rome. i was like no, no, no. I will not do that. This is not my problem. And I did not mess up that um, <laughs> that contract. Um, they should have had this. Taken care of weeks before I went to Rome, and now they're calling me on the day that I'm filming one of the most challenging uh, topics of the year, and at least in terms of you know production-wise. And you're and you're basically giving me a second problem to solve, which is not mine to solve. And so I and that's where I noticed that I've grown. I've really grown in in my attitude. <laughs> And setting board, setting, protecting my own, uh, my my frontiers, or what you call them. So, I said, no, I, this uh, this uh, this is not going to happen. Listen, I I want to make. I've I've already planned and produced most of these episodes with a certain story that I wanted to tell, a certain theme. I'm not going to change that. If you want, if you want, we can interchange these two episodes and we'll, we'll put one in the one that I'm cur- that I was planning on producing this week you can move that to November then you're gonna pay an extra editor to help me out because this is an impossible thing to do by myself it would basically mean that I'd, I'd have to work two days and two nights in a row um, that, that is not going to happen so I said I want to be able to hire a, an extra editor for an entire day to do half of the episode, and then we'll and then we'll see. Of course, this was not planned in their budget, but I was, it's either this, you know, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> and I was happy that uh, they agreed to to um, accommodate me, and and still that would would still mean a lot of work because it means. Um, Kind of re- restructuring a lot of that material, and uh, I wouldn't have the time that I planned on taking of, of making this into a coherent episode. So it was basically going to be a rush job, working with another editor who hasn't been there while filming. So uh, I would have to put extra energy in, in in coming up with something that he could work with, um, so that the what he edits is is, is compatible with the 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 overall storyline and with the stuff that I was going to edit anyway long story short um we settled on on me uh, producing an entire episode within two days um then I had to solve the second problem which was the students weren't there so I made some phone some more phone calls I'm passing underneath the railway here that's why you hear the echo and the noise of the other cars um the uh, the person who uh, was supposed to be my go-to person for um, the students was not in Rome, and there were personal things going on in his uh, at home, and so he hadn't been able. But nobody told me who else, you know, who else would take care of this. And turns out that they didn't properly uh, delegate this to another person, and so. <laughs> what I discovered was, I need to fix this myself. I need to somehow figure something out and, and, and completely um, rethink what I'm doing, what is feasible on this afternoon, knowing very well that the day after I would have no, uh, no space, no time to film anything else. So it had to happen. Whatever I was going to film had to be filmed that afternoon. So finally, the students show up, Turns out to be a much smaller group than I thought, just a few people. Nobody knew that I was going to do interviews with them, or film them. And the problem was that half of the group wasn't even Dutch. Uh, These are foreign students. Um, So, I was like, what? This is so different. And then it turns out that their only visit that day was going to be that particular monastery... Whereas I had been told that they from they would visit the monastery at two o'clock, then they would go back into the city and visit the Jesu, uh, visit the, uh, the the areas where Saint Ignatius had lived, etc. So I was like, "You're not going to do that. You're just going to stay the entire afternoon here, and then you're only having a dinner because then after the second thing that they had told me weeks ago." was that then all the students would come together, they would celebrate Vespers, and they would have a small moment of sharing, where they would share their... Oh, there's a sale going on here. This electronics store I may have to visit in a second. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so uh, there would be this this moment of sharing. So, you know, visually, I, I had already like five or six things that I was counting on to tell that story, and I was left with only one. The students arriving way too late and then the worst thing happened. The guide didn't show up. The person that was supposed to be giving them a tour of the monastery and that would have access to those, you know, the area where uh, St. Thomas Aquinas had lived didn't show up. And nobody knew how to reach that guide or what was going on. And they were trying to make some phone calls, and then they didn't have uh, coverage on their Dutch phones. So I ended up calling and talking on the phone with uh, the agency that they had uh, hired, and uh, the the people of the uh, agency said, well, well, no, they told us that it was going to be tomorrow, you know. It says here in the email, it says 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 4.30 in the afternoon tomorrow. We have no we have no guide and I was like what well so I asked around turns out there was an email exchange that I had and and on which it was yeah initially the idea was to do the tour on Tuesday but then there were several follow-ups email follow-ups confirming that they would actually do this on Monday so I had and I had confirmation from the agency so I, I recalled and I was explained in Italian, you know, it's very important that you send the guide. We're counting on you. We only have one day. Please help us out. And it is written here and you've made a mistake. Anyway, apparently uh, my uh, Italian negotiation tactics were sufficient enough for them to admit that they had made a mistake and that they would send a guide. And so it can you please stay there until five o'clock and we'll send the guide? I was like, Five o'clock. The light is going to be gone at five o'clock. You know, this is, we're in the, in the autumn season. How am I going to film if, if everything is, going, is turning dark at one hour? Fortunately, again, that's how much I've changed. I didn't go into full panic mode. I was frustrated, but more on an intellectual level and, and, and not really stressed. At least not, not as I would have been a year ago. And so I was like, okay, what can I do? Let's just, if, if, I, if, it, if things don't go the way I would like them to go, we'll just have to work with the situation that is there, right? Oh, well, they're mounting a. What is this? This is a. Um, what do you call it? A fair. Well, they're, uh, I think this. Are they building it up or are they tearing it down? It's like a, a big haunted house or a spooky house. And here's another torture device that <laughs> puts people in a little uh, uh, four seats, and then it, it, it swings around. Oh, my gosh. I was, I'm already getting vertigo looking at these things. Anyway, so um, the, I'd had to just work with what I had, which was a couple of students and a teacher. And so I, I suggested, well, perhaps I can take a few of you to this nearby park which has a nice view of the city of Rome and we'll just, we'll just talk a little bit about why you are studying theology and immediately like two guys are like oh I don't want to be on camera I cannot do that and I don't want to and, and I'm looking around I've got a, t- a couple of foreign students which are not really representative for the, the students that we wanted to highlight because we, of course this, this promotional item is geared towards the, the Dutch y- young students so anyway, and uh, also another problem was there were no girls, or no no uh, well, girls. That sounds a little bit demeaning. Didn't mean it like that, but there were no female uh, students, which, for me, is super important to, They're already because I'm covering a lot of Catholic topics. Chances are that that a lot of the episodes are filled with old guys with <laughs> in cassocks and bishops and priests and theologians, all male, and. I always try to have 50% female contributors, 50% male. Now, the only thing I see is are male students, male teachers. Um, so I like, well, again, I, I, how am I going to turn this into, a, into an item? Uh, so I try a few interviews even with the guys who said that they weren't good on camera and they hadn't prepared and didn't know what to say. And, well, yeah, that clearly showed that they were not, just not the right people to have on camera. Um, Then, at one point, teacher, one of the teachers is saying, well, I'll just talk a little bit about Thomas Aquinas, since we're going to visit the places where he lives. I'll just go well let's let's just uh go to the garden here the 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 park and um I'll just tell a little bit the story of St Thomas Aquinas so I give him a microphone say well just you go ahead just tell the story of St Thomas Aquinas I'm going to film that thinking also on my feet at least I will have a little bit of a story I can put some pictures of Thomas Aquinas on that it's, it's content you know whatever content I can get I'll just give it to me <laughs> and so Fortunately, he, he, um, I mean, he has not much experience on camera. He's not really someone who likes to do that. But since I was filming from far away and, uh, and he was talking to the students, actually it was a very good story. So I was happy with that. And I could film some reaction shots, so at least I have like a bit of a teaching situation. I'm thinking that, that could work for the item. But, of course, it's going to be worthless without a visit to that monastery. So it's like four o'clock. and There's still no one there. And We go and knock on the monastery door, and so the 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 pre the the monks who live there are like, um, yeah, no, we we don't uh, we don't uh, do the guides. Uh, we we know nothing of that. You you have to. call. So anyway, they basically told us we can't help you. But I was filming that as well. I'm thinking I'm just going to film the disaster of this afternoon. At least that may be. Funny to, to, look, to watch if I can put some music behind that and do a voiceover telling how much this afternoon was going wrong. That, that too is a story. At least I got to film the, like the, 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 the monk and etc. and the negotiations and all the whatever. So finally the guide arrived and it's already 4 30. I'd been there at 1 30. I had not eaten since, six o'clock in the, uh, since 5 o'clock in the morning. There was no time. This, I, I had not eaten. I hadn't drunk, didn't drink anything. I was dehydrated. I was hungry. I was exhausted. And then the guide arrives, and it's this Italian lady who thinks that we are interested in every nook and cranny of what uh, the surroundings of the monastery and the monastery itself uh, show us. And so she starts to go on and on and on is so boring and and the only visual aspect is her talking and students listening or checking Facebook <laughs> and I was like this is so not what I hoped it would be so she, she takes us into the church it's interminable, there's really nothing happening, I'd already filmed the church while we were waiting for her and so, and that just takes another hour, and then finally, 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 she 's going to take us to the monastery, and I'm like, i 'm like, it. now it 's going to happen. In the meantime, I was still interviewing any students I could any student I could find. Fortunately, for me, there was this other group of theologians that had gone to the Jesu, to the uh, Jesuit church. They had the spare time, apparently their tour had been very well organized and nothing went wrong. Shut up. I'm working here, dog. <laughs> anyway. So, um, the uh, <laughs> I'm walking alongside the canal here and there are houses on the right and they have these wooden fences so you can't see what's behind it. Apparently there are lots of dogs there. Um, so the, uh, The other group shows up, and they were just planning on just going to visit a few churches. So I tell, I see a number of other students, uh, a little bit younger than the students that I was uh, uh, walking. I had met in the afternoon, and there were some female students. I was like, "Oh, that is that is important. I need to get those on camera. I want to have their story as well." That will counterbalance all the, the male content that I've filmed so far, which was not very good. Um, and so I basically begged them to, please, can I do a short interview? And so we went to, again to the... to the part. Unfortunately, I knew that location very well, because I'd filmed there in the past. And so I didn't have to spend much time thinking about how to position the camera, etc., and the light, because I already knew what... A- what would be the best location for those interviews. And fortunately, thank God, those students did very well on camera. Probably also because they were just like walking into the situation. And so they didn't have time to get anxious about what am I going to say? And, uh, (laughs) and, and I had been really begging them, please help me out. So they were very, you know, benevolent. It's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll just do this for you. Um, and those interviews were actually really good. And there was this one female student who talks. She's Protestant, but she studies Catholic theology. It's a very interesting situation. And then she refers that for her, visiting Rome was a, was a uh, in, in a way, was a, a discovery that she noticed how different the Catholic Church is Something that she had not realized while she was just studying theology—it's a whole different ballgame. Too, if, if, if you're just studying the, theology, you don't—you don't sense the the the, the Catholic culture if, you're, if that has not never been part of your life, um, and you live in an area where everyone is pro- Protestant, then Rome is is going to be a culture shock, and that's exactly what it was. And. The, the first thing that she said was, I, I cannot believe how big the cult of saints is in the Catholic Church. There are saints everywhere, everywhere. For me as a Catholic, I do not even notice that. For her, that was a massive shock to the system. And something that she, of course, had studied in theology, but wasn't really aware of, um, or didn't realize kind of the, the visual aspect of it, or just the 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 importance of that in the way that we build our churches and decorate them, and I was super happy that she was mentioning that because I had already filmed an interview with uh, uh, the, the the with a priest from the Netherlands about saints, planning on airing that in November or well actually this month, uh, leading up to All, the All Saints Day. But now I am hearing her talk and I'm thinking oh I think I still need to make some changes in the way I've um, organized these episodes cuz I'm going to take that item and I'm going to push I'm going to put it in this show but then that item about saints was planned for for this week so I have to move that to November so I have to move the other interview about the mass to this episode it was getting I was like interviewing, and at the same time, I was editing in my head. I was like, can I make this work? And how can I? What? What? Else, what other questions do I need to ask to make that um, connection between the, the items? So anyway, while we were filming those interviews, the other students are coming to get us, and it's like, oh, we're going to enter the monastery finally oh, after an hour and a half of talking about. Uh, the doors and the windows of this church, we're finally gonna see the room of St. Thomas Aquinas. So we're rushing there. This is all, it's already about six o'clock. It's getting really late, and there, it, we're going inside a monastery, so I'm like praying that there will be a little bit of light. And then she takes us to um, Chapel Number One, and it's where St. Dominic lived, I think. And it's now a, this horrible, baroque chapel and the place where his bed was, there is now this altar, and there's really nothing nothing genuine, nothing old. Um, it's just basically her story that says, "Well, this, this is where they, where they lived. But there's nothing left. I think this doesn't bode well. And it's not the right saint. I mean, I like him, but it's not Thomas Aquinas. I need Thomas Aquinas. That's the story. That's the story I'm trying to build up. And then um, we leave that chapel after another half hour of excruciating patience, I'm waiting for her to finish talking about all these details that are completely irrelevant and not interesting. And pfft. anyway, so we walk up the stairs, and then she says, "And now I'm going to show you the summit of our visit." I think of finally Thomas Aquinas. The thing you've all been waiting for and looking forward to, I'm going to show you the private chapel of Pope Pius V. And I like, w- what? Wait, wait, what? Pope Pius V? I don't care about Pope Pius V. I want to go to the room of Thomas Aquinas. And so I, 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 I'm panicking here. I was like, I have, no, I have no story. If there is no Thomas Aquinas here, there is no story. Oh. So I go to her. Fortunately, my, I can speak Italian, so I can negotiate. I was like, but I have... Under, they told me that here was the room of uh, Thomas Aquinas, and we were going to watch the room of Thomas Aquinas. It's very important for me to go to... And then she's like, "Uh, yeah, apparently here in this corridor where we can't enter because it's where the monks live, uh, there is this room and they, some people think that Thomas Aquinas has stayed there, but we're not sure. And anyway, you can't go through that door. Let's go to the beautiful Chapel of Pius V. And I was like... Oh, I don't know. I don't care about Pope Pius V and his bloody chapel. Let me see that room of Thomas Aquinas. And so I was like, okay, I have only got one option here, and that is to break the law. I'm going to wait for her to go to that earth chapel of Pope whoever. And then the moment she's turned a corner... I'm going to try and break into that room. (laughs) So (coughs) I'm I'm switching on the camera, put my hand on the doorknob of that corridor, that forbidden corridor where the monks live and they have their, you know, it's their private quarters and that's where they live and pray. And the last thing they want to see is, you know, a a television presenter filming there. And I was like, I don't care whatever is happening on the other side of the door. I need to see this. And so I'm filming. Um, I open the door and there is this guy standing literally behind the door. And I was like, I'm so like... Ah! <laughs> I did not expect anyone to be there. And it apparent... Now this guy, and I, I didn't realize that. He, he sees my Roman color and sees that I'm a priest. So he just thinks that I'm just going to an appointment with one of the monks and so he's greeting me in Italian and he walks away and I'm like shaking like oh my goodness i was like ah. <laughs> and then there's this big empty hall in front of me and rooms on both sides, wooden doors all closed and there's nothing, nothing visually that indicates that Thomas Aquinas lived there so I'm thinking I still don't have a story there is no story there and all of a sudden it hits me let me cross the road here wow the sun is setting here on the other side of the canal beautiful sunset unfortunately I'm still in the middle of traffic so I'm going to see if I can walk up the dike up there get a better view get the last rays of sunshine I need to get some vitamin D I'm uh, not sure if the sun is, is strong enough. Of course, it is rush hour, so we have to wait forever for these lights to turn green. So all of a sudden, I'm thinking I, I have this intuition. Like, you know what? I'm going to tell the story of that of that teacher because that teacher who told the story about Thomas Aquinas in the garden in the in the park. He actually did his, uh, doc- his thesis on Thomas Aquinas. And the book that he studied for his thesis, and this was like more than 20 years ago, um, was written right here in this monastery. That, that is something we absolutely know for sure. He wrote that right here in this monastery. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the story. So I'm kind of making this up as I, as I, uh, uh, as I go the story is going to be, there is this teacher who is passionate about Thomas Aquinas, who is helping this young generation of theologians to rediscover this great theologian and there is this one dream that he has and that is to see the place, the room where Thomas Aquinas wrote one of his major works. The work that he had studied for years and years um, and now he's finally in Rome and he's Finally going to see it and everything is going to go wrong. You know, the guy doesn't show up, so I'm thinking I can all, all those disasters that were happening, I can integrate them in the story. Of course I don't need to write a voiceover to do that, but I can tell a good compelling story about this quest of trying to get to the room of Thomas Aquinas. And so I go to the bloody chapel of Pi Pi Pies the Fifth, where the entire group is listening again to this Italian guide and she's going on and on about her favorite painting which shows you the Pope blessing the people and uh, you look at the Baroque uh, interior and it's just an awful chapel and it's really not interesting And so I'm waiting and waiting waiting and now the moment they leave and she says now you've seen the most beautiful part of the monastery this concludes our tour we are going to quickly go down the stairs because the monastery is going to close etc so she takes the group down the stairs and I go to this teacher and say I've discovered the room I I know where the room is follow me we're gonna break the law (laughs) (laughs) so he's I'm following him and I go through that door. Fortunately, the guy, the, the the person that I saw there earlier was not there. And there's just this empty hallway again with the doors. And <laughs> I guess the monks were all praying in the chapel. And, then, and I, I just point to the right. I say, it's that door. I'm not even sure it was that door, but I was like, that's the door. That's the room where it happens. <laughs> Where, where Thomas Aquinas lived. You can't go in because there's actually... There are people living there now. Which is kind of insane. I mean, you would think that that was like a museum and a place you could visit. But no, not in Italy. It's like, oh, it's a room. Let's uh, put someone in there. Uh, so, of course, I didn't dare to knock on the door. I'm not that courageous. But I'm filming the teacher while he is taking a picture of that door. and um, But is kind of not really showing any emotion or anything I, of course, as a filmmaker you hope that that person is going to break down in, 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 in tears and is going to, you know, have to drag him out while he's sobbing that you finally touched the doorknob of his favorite saint and no, none of that happened but I'm thinking, with a bit of music with a good voiceover this is going to work And then I'll just put the students in between that story and I will just kind of mount up the tension. That's one of the things that I love about making television. It is you can tell stories. And a good story is not always a story chock full of information, which was kind of what I was discovering while everything was going wrong. I was like, the disaster. At first, my initial thought was this is all going to completely destroy my story. And then I'm, think, I'm rethinking that, like, no, the disaster is the story. And it has a happy end because we, we saw the room where Thomas Aquinas supposedly lived. So that'll work. And then once I filmed that, um, we, they walked back to the... or They actually took the bus and went back to the restaurant. And that also took forever. And then there are some other students who kept telling me that they didn't want to be on camera which is so annoying you know i'm just filming people walking through the streets of rome and then you know they turn around and like don't film me don't i don't want to be on camera oh come on anyway but i was also like i don't even need this footage anymore i may use a few shots but the story i have the story this is going to work um <laughs> But it's not going to work for this... (coughs) for this week. (laughs) I was glad. I could... (coughs) I think I just choked up. Choked on a mosquito. Lots of mosquitoes here. Near the water, and it's been warm, and they've been biting my ankles. I can feel it. Oh, donkeys. Three donkeys in three colors. A gray one here on the right, a brown one, and a... mm, Kind of beige one. And he's eating bark from the tree, I think. That's funny. There's a little patch of green here. Behind the trees over on my right is the, the brand new hospital. Where I probably have to go again, which is very annoying. Uh, a while ago, I think I've, I've shared this. I had this uh, infection in my left eye, or eyelid. <clears throat> There's this little... Um, what you call it? This little conduit that gets <clears throat> uh, clogged up, and, and so that my eye was like super big and red and swollen, and they ha- I had to go to this hospital uh, where they um, they t- uh, tried to remedy that, and they didn't do a good job because ultimately the the conduit was still clogged, I think, and so uh, a few weeks later, when my entire black eye was healed the whole thing started again <clears throat> and for a while I thought this was going to go over and, uh, but it doesn't and uh, today it's hurting again so uh, ugh. I'm going to go through the entire cycle again and of course <clears throat> I cannot have a black eye because I do television so how am I going to solve that that will be another thing <laughs> we'll, we'll handle that later I don't want to even think about that right now so anyway uh, I end up in the restaurant where all the other students are already there. We are the last group to arrive. It's already super dark, so I'm thinking this is impossible to film anything here. I can't do any interviews. But then I see all the other students, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could have interviewed him and her and that person and that person, because I could tell that there were so many other students that were had good stories to tell, and then... <laughs> this lady from the university was had was supposed to have taken care of all this arra- making the arrangements, and who I was told was going to send a number of students to me so I could interview them and she would do a, like a small pre-selection and take some students that could you know are good on camera and have a story to tell she didn't do any of that she walks up to me and she said oh have you interviewed him have you interviewed her and I uh, like, no, I had to just interview the people that were there. And by miracle, some another group arrived and I was able to do a few more interviews. But uh, anyway, and, and then she, she was like, oh, well, perhaps you, during the dinner you can still do some interviews and take people aside and film them because there are so many other students that you could interview. I was like, listen, I haven't eaten since... Five o'clock this this morning. I haven't even had a uh, a, a glass of water. I am not going to. I'm done. I'm completely done. I'm going to eat. I'm going to sit. I didn't tell her that. That would be rude. But I was thinking that. Like, okay, I am so done. Anyway. Ah, beautiful sunset. Last rays of sunshine. I'm going to head back. Because uh, if I continue to walk in the direction of the little uh bicycle bridge over over the canal it's gonna take me at least an hour and uh what time is it do i have a watch oh it's already a quarter past six yeah i need to go back home and make some dinner so anyway that was a oh what a day what a day then it's nine o'clock and um uh one of the people in lives in rome and sometimes does some production work for uh for uh uh the um the broadcast company that I work for uh had a, an extra apartment in rome so she said um, you can sleep over in that apartment because i'm not using it for the moment it's going to be a bit rudimentary but uh uh at least you'll have a place to stay <coughs> uh which I was happy that uh, I didn't have to arrange for hotels. That would be extra, even extra costs and extra time. Uh, but then the apartment was not, uh, well, hadn't been used for a while, and the bed was one of the worst beds I've slept on since, I don't know, a long time. So I did not sleep that much. I, I, fortunately, I was tired, but. Uh, there's really not a good mattress, and there 's so much noise in the city of rome and i 'm not used to that there are just sirens and ambulances and so much traffic right underneath and Then I wake up too early and the only thing in my mind is I want to go home so it 's seven o 'clock in the morning i 'm already up, and i 'm only thinking, I need to get out of here i 'm so Done. I'm so done, and uh, I knew that, you know, you still have like seven or eight hours to go before you're really home. Uh, now, of course, that's still not not much for, for you know Rome it. but still, when you're so tired and you're so like mentally, I wanted to be home. It was just like this was just one of those trips that. Already, I I didn't look forward to because I just uh, didn't add anything to to well. It, it's something that I had to do contractually, but I didn't want to do it, and I just want to make my own programs instead of having to to work on these deals between the broadcasting company and the university, etc. Uh, so I was already. Not really looking forward to this trip. And then everything goes wrong. And, you know, by miracle, I still have a story, more or less. Still have to look at all that footage. And then I also know that when I get back home, I have two days to produce an entire episode, which would normally take me more than a week to produce. Ugh. So, and then, and then you have this entire trip. So, you could take the bus to the airport and then the bus takes forever because it's traffic jam after traffic jam early in the morning so i arrive right in time to squeeze through security lines are much longer than i anticipated i arrive at the gate right in time they're boarding didn't even get a cup of coffee and we're up in the air we land and i have to take the train back home take the bike from the station to Amersfoort to the rectory where I live, and then at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm finally home. And I can't even rest, because I have to immediately arrange for the second editor, I have to come up with, you know, he he needs to have the material, there needs to be, I need to direct him as to what he has to produce. Uh, So... For the next three days, oh there are the donkeys again and they're <laughs> they're they're eating all the plants here on the left side of the fence. Oh, there's a fourth donkey, Wow, this is donkey paradise <laughs> funny, they're funny creatures, very relaxed at least for now so the uh the next few days were. I'm so I'm glad it's done. Let's let's put it that way. Um, I still ended up working until two o'clock in the morning, in the night, between Thursday and Friday. Friday was going to be the final edits. So it had to it has to be on the FTP server um, at seven o'clock in the morning. So I was done editing two o'clock in the morning and then uploading. It took another hour and a half. So I basically turned off the light at three three thirty. <laughs> and I am telling myself there is no way in hell, purgatory, or heaven that I'm ever going to do this again. I am so done with this. And uh, it, it, it reaffirmed again. This is just one of those. <sighs> these. Th- this is a uh, something I inherited from from the times that I would say yes to all these things. Uh, so I've learned my lesson in between uh, I've, I, I've decided as I told you before that I, this next year I will no longer edit myself I'll just do a little bit of help you know I may write the uh, overall outline but I'm just going to hire an editor to do the editing work for me because I just don't have it in me to spend another year working till 3 o'clock in the morning ...on a TV show. Pfft, really, it's not worth it. And I, I, it derails me more and more... ...because I'm, getting, I'm not getting any younger. So every time I, I, I work through these nights... It's, ...it's knocking me out for several days. So, that's one decision. I will not edit. The second decision I took in Rome was... ...I will never produce an episode anymore... ...before I have a contract. And in that contract... ...it is stipulated that if for whatever reason they are going to change the date or there's going to be a change of plans and uh, and, and that's like, uh, if, like uh, shorter than two weeks before the delivery of the production then the cost will be doubled or something like that I, th- there needs to be this protection in the, the contract that um, that uh, that um, gives serious consequences to problems that people are causing me so that it won't help it won't, it won't, so that it won't occur anymore this, I'm, I'm kind of done to be on the wrong side of the food chain I'm the program maker I'm the producer, I'm the storyteller I'm not the slave of all these other people that don't do their job correctly so I, I was really mad I wrote a long email telling them I was mad and why. And I again, that's something I would have never done a year ago. But I am now at a time in my life where I'm like, life is too short for this kind of nonsense. These are my terms and conditions and prices. And if you don't want to accommodate those, then seek someone else. And uh, I'm even... Uh, I'm thinking uh, hard about uh, ways to to raise the prices of what I do because um, we're working for a ridiculously low on a ridiculously low budget. It is impossible to do the kind of TV work that we do for this small uh, amount of money that they're giving us, and I am I'm paying the price in in the sense that because I cannot I don't have the budget to hire anyone. Um, I, I have to work, I have to do all the work myself and I'm not the only one. There's a few other, um, producers or filmmakers that are suffering the same, from the same super low budget. And I'm thinking, is there a way to negotiate another, a, a, a better, um, a better price? If they've been paying us this for two years now, our costs are only getting higher. The life is getting more expensive. They now think that well, we can we can have a TV show for this uh, this low amount of money. That's low budget. That's nice for us. And as long as we keep delivering, then this is just going to go on. The thing is, with these TV shows, um, the allocation of money happens about half a year beforehand, and is not even done by the people that I work with. It's done at a much, much higher level in the organization so i need to somehow find a way to get to the top and tell them that we need to be paid better <laughs> and otherwise i'll go on strike or something but it's it's like this constant dilemma i know that this work deserves better and that what we do what i do is is uh deserves a bigger audience and deserves a be- better resources On the other hand, I also know that in this world, the moment you start claiming, they'll find someone else. Um, So I don't know exactly how to play my cards and how far I can go. But what I do know is that, and this is is more on a deeper level, is if for an extended time you feel that you're being exploited, and that's how it feels, like we're, we're doing insane work for way too little money compared to the rest of, of the TV uh, production that's taking place. And I'm talking about any channel. There's no channel that, that produces a half-hour TV show every week for this s- small amount of money. So, um, but if, if, if you feel that this is an ongoing situation that you're not happy with, it is time to make a change. It is time to to stand up for yourself, that's how I feel uh, and because the 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 consequence of, of staying put in this situation is that this will happen again and again and again and two years from now I'll be recording another episode of The Walk and I'll tell you exactly the same story <sighs> but I don't want that I I want to move to other experiences I have a lot of other ideas of what I can do what I want to do is to build upon the experience that I have and make better programs and become a better program maker. But you can't do that if you stay in that same loop, basically. It's a transporter loop. <laughs> it doesn't bring you to new planets. It just brings you back to the bridge of the <laughs> enterprise you just left. That is no longer something I I want to do. Now, the scary thing, and this kind of joins the whole discussion that I had um, for a couple of weeks now about the whole the big leap idea um, if you don't know what the alternative is and if you're, you're so busy with your current job that you can't really think about an alternative then it is uh, it's scary <laughs> <clears throat> now of course life could take a completely different turn it's very well possible that um, half a year from now, without me having any you know made any changes, they will still tell me that the show is canceled, because after all, this is Catholic television for a Catholic audience, and according to a lot of people in our society, mistakenly, there is no room for Catholic programming anymore, which is ridiculous because we've got millions of Catholics. But that's, the, that's kind of the, the climate uh, in, in certain parts of the of the industry so there's always this lingering risk that the show will get cancelled and then I'll have basically nothing on TV anymore <laughs> and also no income <laughs> at least well not from that I do have an income thanks to my patrons but that won't cover even the cost of living for now so th- that's another reason that I want to think ahead of, the, of of that situation I always want to be one step ahead that if the show gets cancelled which I still don't have any reason to think that it will but say that that happens I already want other um, things in, in place so that it won't, it won't stop me it won't hamper the, the development of what I'm trying to do so that's going to be an interesting challenge it means basically being very strong uh be very decisive about what i am going to do next year um and i'm i'm going to be very picky if uh, if i get uh um, asked to do episodes about topics that i don't want to do or not not really is not my thing or not my style i just will not do them and i will just, i will propose what i think will be good good shows and it's a bit take it or leave it. And I know that what I do is actually quite good. I'm very proud of what I can do now in terms of storytelling. So I'm, I have to trust myself. I have to trust that it's, it's more than good enough what I do. It's just um, putting yourself in a different position. Instead of just being the person who suffers these disasters, you want to be the one who is in charge of the situation. Let other people solve the disasters. And that, that is a, that's a mental change. That's, that's the kind of the, the reason that I'm still optimistic and feeling good about, uh, about the past few weeks, despite the amounts of work and the things that went wrong. But what I notice, I, I feel every day how much I've changed. And, and that is a good feeling. Because I, <laughs> I wanted to be this person for a long time and now I am and, uh, and that, that is, that's a good thing alright, I've been talking for way too, mu- too much uh, for way too long so sorry about that <laughs> I'm going to head back to the electronics store take a look inside see if they've got some. I need some wires for my speakers um, which I <laughs> I've been decluttering a little bit too drastically so I threw that, uh, the old wires away now I have to get new ones all right, I'll I'll talk about that in some other shows. Um, speaking of other shows, you can find them all as usual at trideo.com, t-r-i-d-e-o.com. Thank you for listening and for your support, and I will talk to you soon. Take care. God bless.